evening. Welcome to the service tonight, wherever you're at. We uh, hope that uh, you can join us in worshiping as we sing here for a few minutes uh, before we turn it over to Brother Barry. We hope that you'll, uh, here as you're in your homes or wherever you are, that you'll enjoy the service with us uh, this evening. We're going to start off by singing Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'm so thankful he is that. Every man, aren't you? Jehovah Jireh, my
Of course, we want to remember uh, everyone that is obviously going through uh, sickness and is at home. Um, we want to remember everybody. We uh, have a few special prayer requests. We just want to continue to remember the Smiths, uh, particularly Sister Mary, uh, her her son and daughter-in-law are both in the hospital on ventilators and are uh, having a tough time and we just, we really want to reach to the throne for them and I know, uh, especially for Sister Mary, we want to remember her in prayer that the Lord will give her strength as their uh, family's going through this difficult time. Uh, We want to continue to remember uh, Sister Kim Ward, who's not feeling well. Uh, Sister Lily Harwell is uh, still not feeling good. And we want to remember Sister Hannah Whitlock. And uh, I would just ask you as you're streaming this tonight that you would uh, reach your hand up to him and say, Lord, whatever my need is tonight, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, mental, might even be financial, Lord, you you can take care of it. And uh, Lord, we want strength from you tonight. We want to come just as a time to just listen to the word and to bathe in that. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you again, Father, for being able to worship you, Father, on a Wednesday night, Lord. And we we thank you for the technology, Father, that uh, we can worship together still, Father, in our homes. We can listen to our pastor speak, Father, who's in another state, and we can still all to come together, Father, and bring our licks of fire together. And Lord, and I ask a special blessing, Father, on those, Father, that are gathered in their homes or other places and are streaming the service tonight, Lord. May you bless each of them, Father, and Lord, we just ask that you'll give our pastor a special blessing, Father, and may he feel the pull from us, Father, as we stream. Lord, these prayer requests that I mentioned, Father, Lord, we just ask that you'll go to each of those needs, Lord, that you'll be with them, Father, the ones that raise their hands tonight, Father. Lord, whatever their need is on their heart, Father, Lord, we just ask that you'll come to the individual, Father, that you'll be a comfort to them, Father, and that you'll help them, Lord, in whatever struggle they're going through. We ask you to be with us, Father, in the remainder of our service here, Father, and Lord, we just give you the praise and the honor in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. At this time, I would normally ask you to shake hands with those that are around you, so feel free, and you're in your home, to turn and shake hands with those that are around you, and uh, welcome them uh, to the service. We're going to sing a couple more songs here, and then we're going to turn it to Brother Barry, Um, but I wanted to sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, amen? Leaning on those everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning 
everlasting arms. And oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, well, I'm leaning safe and secure from all along. Have I to fear leaning on the everlasting arms? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all of I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. We're going to uh, get ready to turn it over to Brother Barry as we change the order of the service. Let's sing that song, uh, This Is Your House. This is your house, amen. We're, we're thankful that you may not see it, but I'm standing in a sanctuary with three other people. Two of them are doing technical stuff that we appreciate, and for the map playing. But it isn't this building that's necessarily his house, amen. It's here, it's wherever we are, wherever we gather, and I'm thankful for that, amen. is your house Father come and dwell this is your house holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares this is your Amen. This is your house. Lord, come and dwell. We are your house. We are your house. Father, come and dwell. We are your house. A holy house of their burdens and their cares. We are your house. We are your house. Lord, come and dwell. One more time. This is your house. As we turn it to Brother Barry. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your of prayer 
this is your house, Lord, come and dwell. God bless you, saints, and welcome to our Wednesday night service. It's good to have all of you uh, tuned in tonight, and we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I wasn't really expecting for us to be uh, in this place tonight broadcasting, but uh, we are hoping to uh, give those who are sick a little time to recover and uh, for families to be back strong again. So uh, I thought it would be good, and uh, consulting with the deacons, we thought it would be good uh, just to let this service uh, be a broadcast service, and then Lord willing, uh, we'll pick it up on the weekend. Um, we have a storm moving in, a snowstorm, and it's supposed to hit, I believe, uh, in the major part of the storm on Saturday night. So we will certainly let you know if we're going to have a service. Uh, I think you'll probably know, but uh, we'll send the word out on Sunday morning and let you know. So be watching for that uh, in case that storm actually does come. Sometimes they prophesy it and it doesn't come, but uh, a lot of the reports are pretty, uh, pretty definitive. Uh, just a couple of very quick uh, prayer requests that I wanted to mention tonight. Uh, we're thankful for Ben and Matt there uh, in bringing the uh, song service and the prayer request there. Uh, we're continuing to remember the Spencer family. Brother Charlie Spencer passed away yesterday suddenly, and uh, Brother Ron uh, was away. He was out of state and traveling back. We were with Brother Mark and Sister Christy uh, tonight, and uh, they um, <clears throat> were certainly appreciative of everyone's concern. Sister Becky made him a wonderful meal, so we were able to go over and just have a little time with them. And um, I certainly covered your prayers and uh, uh, certainly a shock to them. And ironically, uh, the same day, Sister Christy found out that her mother had passed away. And uh, so it was a dark day yesterday for us around here. And, and uh, if you don't mind, we'd certainly ask you to remember uh, their family in prayer. Also as well, uh, I mentioned to you before, Sister Laura Collins up in Edmonton, she's undergoing, they're attempting to give her chemotherapy for advanced cancer. And uh, she is a cousin of our Rebecca, Andrew's wife. And uh, she's in very serious condition. The chemo has been very difficult on her and she really needs a miracle. And we're asking God to supply so if you could remember that need, and I would encourage you to write it down just to remember that and just pray that God would touch her. Now, let's, um, if you have your uh, amen button ready, your, your phone there, and you want to text me, uh, certainly encouraging. Had lots of texts on Sunday, and I appreciate that, and lots of good feedback. Now, I want to, uh, I hope you won't mind uh, tonight in dealing with the subject of uh, Shalom in the home again, but I want to turn a little corner and uh, this is the 22nd uh, service on this particular subject. And uh, I trust it's been a help to you in some way. And I wanna focus a little bit more specifically uh, in the upcoming services and just as long as the Lord leads uh, in terms of what, uh, how far we go with this. Uh, let's read the word first of all uh, in 1 Timothy chapter four and verse 12. And um, we'll get a context from there tonight. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now remember the construction here. He says, 
we are not to be an example to the believers, but we are to be an example of the believers. So in other words, Paul is explaining to Timothy that we should be able to take any one person uh, out of our group and stand them up and display them as an example of what it means to be in the message, of what it means to, uh, to possess the faith. Let's pray this evening as we begin. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of the word, we pray. May your Holy Spirit come and quicken the word to every heart. Lord, we know families are spread out. They're gathered in all different places. Lord, this is not the way it was meant to be, but at least we can have this, and we're thankful for it. We thank you, Lord, for those that work hard to provide this kind of uh, connection among us. And Lord, may you heal those in need healing, bring us back together at the appointed time, we pray. Bless this gathering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so we want to deal specifically with raising a family, but I'm going to do it kind of the opposite way. I'm going to jump to the end of the cycle of child raising and deal with uh, teenagers. And especially or specifically, I want to deal with teenage girls. And uh, this has become a, an, a subject of great importance to me. And uh, as I begin to read, it's kind of like everything jumps out at me that speaks about this subject here. And I've got several uh, books and sermons here in front of me tonight, and uh, as well as the PowerPoint. And I've just, uh, just got a full plate here. So we'll just go as far as we can, Lord willing, and uh, just see uh, where the Lord takes us uh, this evening. And uh, trust it'll be a help to you, because I think everyone will find something relevant in here. Now, as I've said to you before, in 1964, Brother Branham uh, in his own personal perspective, his own personal ministry, he turns a corner. Uh, he realizes, all right, this is the third pull. This is a, a one-way street for us. We're not going to be going backwards now, but this is the opening of the word and everything that that means, that God has pulled the lid off uh, the mysteries that were held for over 2,000 years and even longer. And uh, the manifestation of the word, it, it manifests not only who the people of God are, but it also manifests uh, the children of the world and the conditions in the world. And so Brother Branham, uh, in 1964, it's almost like he really focuses in and he begins to talk about uh, this, this sense of peace that the bride of Christ has, but this corresponding unrest that the world has out there. And he describes it. And in the first couple of pages, and I'm reading on page four and five here of the message Shalom, he preaches it twice in January of 1964. And I don't have it on the screen here, but I'd like to uh, just give you a little highlight as we begin here. He says, I noticed among men, he says, you look out on the street and he says, you see women as well and watch their desires and what they uh, dress like and how they act. He said, and they're changing attitudes all the time. The attitude of the people in the street is changing all the time. Now, the reason people's attitude changes is because of society and the permissiveness that uh, society allows, uh, the openness that society exhibits, and there's, there's lots of reasons why people's attitude uh, changes. But the, here he makes a, an amazing statement. He says, men are becoming like women, and women are becoming like men. And it seems like there's no way to stop it. And he says, I cross the nation. And he says, I preach about it and I come back. And he says, I visit again. And it's worse. He said, it's like a heavy, dark fog over the whole earth. And not only in Phoenix, but all over the world. And he says, it seems to be like a groping darkness that's gathering. And he said, it's just smothering out real manhood and smothering out real womanhood. Now, this is 1964. So... 
uh, we're, we're talking, you know, uh, 55 years ago, Brother Branham said there's a smothering out of manhood and a smothering out of real womanhood. And he said, I'm talking in the natural now. And he says, and we see it creeping into the churches. He said, you see it raising up. And he says, then you say something against it. And he said, they'll condemn you, which is so illogical. He goes on and he says, and I'm reading on page five here. Now he says, it looks like that uh, the time is that you can see real standout men like you ought to. You can't see men, young men stand out and, and uh, have the real masculinity like you ought to. He said, even taking it from the spiritual now to the natural, he said, uh, it seems to me like men wearing uh, velvet shoes, velvet pink shoes and all kinds of things like that. It seems like they become more like women. Now, he's referring to uh, Elvis Presley when he came out with the hit song, Blue Suede Shoes. And that was a big, big deal. That was a big song back in that time. And here's Brother Branham saying that this is more than just a song. This is a, uh, this is a degrading of, of masculinity where they're, uh, you know, wearing velvet things and soft things. Men are becoming softer. And he says, correspondingly, women are becoming uh, more manly. He says they're uh, you know, they're smoking cigarettes and he says, and the dainty lady feminist something is gone. That meekness, that shyness that women naturally had back then. And he said, and the real masculine man is gone. The feminist something is gone and the real masculine man is gone. I will guarantee you, you cannot take a feminine spirit and put it on a man and it be right. And you cannot take a masculine spirit and put it on a woman and have it right. It's just not right. Nature itself teaches you that. And he says, and it all, he, all he seems to think about is something evil on the other side. And he said, uh, I think it was just like he said back in the beginning in the days of Noah, when men's thoughts were evil continually. And then he says, our programs, our television, our radio is uncensored. And men can say nearly anything they want to and even swear and say dirty things and so forth. And he says, it should not even be said in a bar room. And yet they can say it on television, on the radio and send it right into people's homes. And he said, it's like a gross darkness over the whole thing. And the whole thing has become polluted. Now he said, I've been trying to hold a standard of the word of God. He said, and I'm more determined this coming year to hold that standard uh, as an absolute. He said, and stand right straight with the word. Now, here's Brother Branham. He, he's, he's commenting on society in, 19, in the early 1960s, which we know was a time of upheaval. And he's saying that, you know, society itself has changed. Government has changed. There's all kinds of things now that are happening that are different. And as a result of that, that directly affects the attitude of the people, the men and women in the street. It affects their clothing. It affects their uh, music. It affects their lifestyle. It affects their godly position that the Bible ordains for them. And he said all of this expression now is going on. And he knew, he knew you can cry out against it. And he said, it's not going to change at all. Now, I would like to summarize that whole thought there and say this, that you really don't successfully debate something at the point of expression, but rather you should debate it at the point of understanding. What does that mean? That means when it's already on the TV, it's already on a, a, a program or social media, you know what? You're really too late. It's already there. It's at the root of where this all begins. That's where the opposition needs to be expressed. That's where you need to debate it. At, at, when it's expressed, 
it, it's, I, I always remember this when I was on the airlines and, you know, they'd have movies on in the screens in the center of the plane and they'd show terrible movies. I remember one time there was a horror movie that was on there and I came home and I wrote the, the letter to the airlines. Well, you know, they basically dismissed it because, you know what, this is already a done deal. They, they know this is what the people want. So you don't debate at the point of expression, you debate before it gets there. And here's Brother Branham, he's trying to help us to understand that we're going to come to a place where uh, you're going to have a lot to say in opposition to what's going on, but it's really going to be too late to start complaining about it. It needed to have been said a long time ago. The only thing that you can do as a believer is hold the standard of the Word of God and accentuate that, live by that, demonstrate that, teach your children that. That's the only way uh, you're, you're going to stem the tide. It's the only way you're going to be successful and be an overcomer. It's the only way you're going to raise a family is when you adhere to the principles of the Word of God because at the point of expression, it's too late. So when your children are involved in social media and you know they're 16 years old and they got their own uh, phone and they're they're connected with everyone in the world. They're they're connected with every other young person instantly, all day long, all night long. Uh, it's it's a little bit late to start talking to them about the dangers of social media. They're already there. We need to discuss this at a at a point of origin, at a point of of when this actually begins. And that's why I'm I'm so, I'm so burdened about raising a family uh, and, and, uh, following things the way that God's prophet said, this may not be for everybody. You may not agree, but I will tell you something. There has to be a standard raised against this somewhere. And if, if I'm, uh, you know, a voice crying in the wilderness, so be it. I just feel like I feel very burdened. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of my grandchildren and the world that they're going to be raised in. Now, I do believe this, that the same God that helped us to raise our family is also going to be the same God that will help uh, my children raise their children in their season as well, when they get to be teenagers. And I'm trusting in that, and I have to trust in that, because we have no other recourse. But our world is changing quickly, it's changing drastically, and you need to get at it. You need to be proactive. You need to be uh, in motion in terms of, of shaping how your children think about things, and giving them a conscience, helping them to have priorities, helping them to have respect for the Word of God. I've said it before, if you don't teach your children anything else, teach them respect. Respect for the house of God, respect for the word of God, respect for the men of God, respect for the ministry, respect for uh, the absolutes that God has laid down in our time. This is this message is not something we should be ashamed of. It is something that we should be very proud of. And so therefore, uh, when we live it and we model it and we teach it and we practice it, let me tell you, then uh, young people have a fighting chance at practicing it themselves. And this is what Paul is teaching Timothy right here. He said, let no man despise thy youth but rather be now an example of the believers in every facet of your Christian life, word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. It's amazing because in our world, uh, the, the uh, scientists now, they're, they're studying, uh, you know, the effect of um, the culture today on, on girls. Now, it's interesting. I, I read a, a portion of a, a book that was written by a man who was studying laziness in boys. And this was what he was going after. He couldn't. He couldn't really understand why the modern young man is, in essentially, you know, laid back, lazy, involved in video games, um, thinks only as far as his stomach and his phone, and you know, doesn't have much ambition and drive, responsibility to get out and 
work at business, to excel, uh, to be a leader, to be financially successful, to be responsible, uh, to be able to start a job and finish it. And he was he was researching that. And when he when he began to research that, uh, he, he said it was striking to see the effect of what uh, the decline of manhood, uh, the effect of the decline of manhood has on young girls. He said, because now young girls are, uh, they they uh, feel the pressure of this vacuum that you, men have left. And they can very often feel the, the pressure of having to step into that because many of them realize, hey, I may be the major breadwinner in our, in our family. I may be the one who earns the income. And as a result of that, if there is no real foundation, if there is no real core of stability within these young people, their personalities are what's called brittle. Now, that's a scientific term, and we're not talking about peanut brittle. We're talking about the brittleness or the shakiness of, of personality, so much so that when something goes wrong in a young person's life, they fall apart. Uh, they got they got to have you know a million of their uh, cyber friends to support them, uh, and it, it's just incredible how brittle many young people are. You can't cross them, you can't criticize them. Uh, you know, parents have a, a tough time in in making the changes that need to be made, and as a lot of it has to do with um, this how this girl views themselves. Now, I, I will tell you this, and statistically, this was shocking to me that. Uh, over the last um, probably 20 years, they have cataloged a 400% increase in young girls who are seeking help with mental or emotional diseases. 400% increase of girls between 13 and 20. That's absolutely incredible. And it is because their personalities are a little bit more brittle. And they say now that one in eight uh, women in the United States take an antidepressant, one in eight women. And it is it is just absolutely amazing to see that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the issues that uh, young people have to deal with. And one of the things that even the secular writers are saying that young people need to develop an inner life or an inner core from which they can operate. Their values are defined by what everybody else is doing. They're constantly in touch with what everybody else is wearing, what everybody else is doing, where everybody else is going. And they, they uh, in a sense, on purpose have, uh, you know, failed to develop that inner core, inner strength within themselves. And they tend to be following what everybody else is doing. Well, you know what? Uh, this is a very dangerous trend. Because it's all okay as long as somebody who's in the lead is doing the right thing and marching towards the kingdom. But you know that in this world, young people are not marching towards the kingdom of God. Uh, they're marching towards the tribulation. And they are taking on the spirit of that as they move towards that. And as a result, uh, there's a lot of young people who are defined by what everybody else is doing. And I'm simply saying this, that... Uh, I, I think it is really high time for us as parents and leaders in the church, and especially us among the bride, to uh, to be proactive and to be hands-on in terms of talking with our children, to be, uh, you know, to be um, uh, interacting with them, to be uh, giving them all the coaching they need, to be able to uh, reinforce the absolute of the Word of God. I think all of that is really vital. All right, I, I'm preambling. I got a lot more here to do, deal with. 
let's let's look at this. I, I love this statement here. Brother Branham's wife is dying, and he's telling this life story, mm-hmm. and he's going through um, he's going through this uh, telling of the of the time when his wife was dying uh, in in the hospital. And he said, friends, if I live 100 years, he said, I'll never forget what happened when when uh, his wife was dying. He said, those two big brown eyes looked up at me. She was so weak, she couldn't say anything. She was smiling. She took her finger and she motioned. And, and I got down and she said, why did you call me, honey? And Brother Branham was calling to her. She was crossing over into the other side and Brother Branham called her back. And he said, I believe as she was dying, she rallied for a little bit. And the nurse came in and she said to the nurse, come over. I hope when you get married, you have a husband like mine. And I said, oh, honey, I haven't done anything. And she patted me on the back. Now, Brother Branham, you know, you know the story of how that uh, he had disobeyed God and uh, out on the river trying to pull the the string on the motor. And uh, he realized that it was his mistake that was causing this tragedy in his household. And here she says to the nurse, when you get married, you, he says, she says, you'll have a husband like mine. She says, I hope that happens. Now, my goodness, you can imagine how Brother Brandon must have felt. Now, my whole, my whole thought is for young people today, when they get uh, married, they find a, a person of character. And we want to talk a little bit about that tonight specifically. Uh, in 1965, here's what Brother Brandon says. Now, this is, this is the month he passes away. Okay. Oh, brother, sister, you and I in this world, let's conduct ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We're aliens here, but our behavior ought to be according to the commandments of God. Our behavior ought to be according to the commandments of God, that we are sons and daughters of God. That's just what Paul told Timothy. Our behavior, we should act and do according to, finish the sentence. What do you think he's going to say? Our behavior, we should act and do according to, what the laws of God laid down. God has already given us his word. He's already given us an absolute. He's always given the, already given us a standard of conduct. And he says, we, our behavior, the way we act every day, not necessarily just in church, but every day, we should act and do according to what the laws of God has already laid down. And he says, and he uses the scripture out of Deuteronomy, that we should uh, you know, not wear a garment that pertains to a man and so forth. He said, that's what the Bible says. Now, <clears throat> I want to just uh, give you a little con- concept here, and I hope uh, you can grab onto this here. Brother Branham says that you cannot deal with sin in any manner without dealing with sickness. You have to deal with it because it's an attribute of sin. In other words, it's all connected. When you when you provide the remedy for sin, you provided the remedy for many other things. Okay, for physical sickness, mental sickness, for uh, you know, in any kind of, um, you know, defect, uh, you, you've, you've taken care of the sin question, but you've taken care of many other things. It's all connected. He said, you can't accept part of Christ without accepting all of Christ. And if you would accept one thing would be good for us, you have to accept all things to be good for us. So you can't be half in to Christ and half out. You can't be half in the bride and half out. You can't be a half bride. If you accept it, you you have to accept all of it and everything that comes with it in the package, or you don't accept it, and you're still in your sin. You cannot deal with anything that sin brought, but when you deal with sin, you deal with everything it brought. You understand what he's saying, that this principle is very important. If you are born again, then you know what? You have a standard of conduct that is based upon what God's law has already laid down. 
without question. I mean, that's the way we should live. That's the way we should conduct ourselves. That is exactly the, the standard. And here's Brother Branham you know, being very clear. He's, as I read to you in Shalom here, he says the world, they don't have the strength to resist the fog and the wave of darkness that's covering the world. And it's getting worse by the day. You don't have enough strength personally to do that. You don't have enough brains to try to figure it all out. Uh, he, he's, he's letting us know that the only way you're going to uh, stand is accepting Christ and everything that comes with Christ, because he'll give you everything that you have need of to live an overcomer's life in this age. Do you believe that? You need to say amen. All right. Let's say it this way. If I were a girl, if I was a teenage girl today, what would I be, what would I be having to think about? Number one, you'd want to find a, a, a husband as the scripture uh, talks about, and it's good for a man not to be alone, and uh, God put man and woman together in the Garden of Eden there. But in finding a man, you want to find a man of purpose. You want to find a man who fears God. You want to find a man who prays. You want to find a man who can lead his family, especially through the difficult and dark times we live in. You want to stay under leadership until that happens, and you want to live pure. Those are seven good things that uh, would be good for any young person, not just girls, but any young person. I never thought I would be saying some of these things here to girls, but I, you know, um, I, I just, I feel frustrated uh, in, maybe that's not a good word, but I feel uh, sometimes um, uh, discouraged even. I feel uh, concerned about uh, young ladies finding a good man. Now, I believe in our church, and I'm not talking about just our church now, all right? All you young men, don't don't uh, uh, click off on me here and, and go to uh, some video game. But uh, I'm, I'm talking in general terms that the world is, is not producing good, solid, masculine, uh, responsible young men like it used to. And our society and our culture has a lot to do with that. So therefore, a, a girl today has to be very discerning. I think a boy has to be very discerning as well. And I don't mean to just be exclusive here. I think a, a guy could apply any of this uh, in, his, in his own life as well. Now, for you parents that have young kids, and some of you are amen and me here, which is really good. Uh, and, and especially, I'd say this if you have girls, you need to be thinking about these things that are on the screen here and shaping your child to think about these things as they grow, not at the point of expression. Remember, we don't debate at the point of expression. We debate at the point of origin or to the point of understanding. So if we're going to have children who make wise choices in the marriage years, it's because something has been taught in the early years. They're not all of a sudden going to become flawless Christians when they're 18. They're going to become flawless Christians. You know, they're, they're going to uh, grow in grace and in knowledge over a period of time. And so you have to you have to get out of your mind that my kids are automatically going to do everything right because they're predestinated. Hey, you have a part in this. God gave those children to you, and you've got a responsibility to lead those children and teach them in the right way. All right, let's dig in. Let's let's look at this here. Brother Branham says in the way to have fellowship, he says that's what makes a mother would die for her baby. Why? It's And that's what makes a father would give his life for his wife. A husband, a true husband, would give his life for his wife. Why? Because Christ gave his life for the church, his wife. It's a strain that's in you. Every one of us have a certain strain. We coffees have a strain. You look at any family in the church and they have a strain that runs through them. Uh, personality uh, dominates. There are certain, uh, some people are very generous. Some people are very outspoken. Some people are very hardworking. 
Some people are very laid back and, you know, out of the limelight. We all have a strain about us, and we could talk a whole lot more about that uh, in particular. But Brother Branham says that that's what he says when a, a father would step out there and give his life for his wife. It's because there's something about him that's been put in there by Christ. He said, and that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us because he loved us. And so that that strain is there uh, by nature. It's there by design, and it's there for a purpose. And so Brother Random says that that strain in nature, you don't want to go against that. And you want to you want to uh, lean into that, if you like. You want to develop that strain that's in your, you got a, a young man that's a real boy, real, you know, growing up to be a real good young man. You want to feed that. You want to encourage that. You got a girl that, uh, you know, is, is close to the kingdom and uh, she's dressing right, living right. And, uh, you know, she's obedient, respectful in her household. You want to feed that because that's what she's going to have to exhibit in her married life. And a boy is going to have to exhibit those other tendencies in his married life. And they're different. They're different. Now, a couple of just a couple of statements here. Brother Branham says, he says, and you really want to be a Christian? He says, you want to really be a Christian? You want to examine yourself and find out whether you're a real Christian or not? Examine yourself by the word, by the message. Not by everybody else, not by all your friends or your cyber friends, but you want to examine yourself by the message. And examine what a real Christian should be. Rugged, loving, not one of this modern Christianity. We're going to talk about that in a second. Why it's soft flexible, half-dead, rotten, interbred, not the real Christianity. So modern Christianity today is not the real Christianity. Live any kind of a way you want to, belong to the church. Don't you want that sweet fellowship with Christ and the conformity of your own heart to the word to move right up into Christ? That's what God is looking for, for you to keep moving on up into Christ. It's not the soft, flexible, half-dead, rotten, interbred, uh, you know, perverted kind of Christianity where anything goes. Let me tell you, you will never find that phrase, anything goes, in the Bible. It isn't there because God disdains that. That is not something that he agrees with or promotes at all. You want to examine yourself by the word. Take your Bible, just your Bible, take that. And uh, you, you want to uh, examine yourself by that and see how things are. All right. Now, let's talk about an example of real manhood. This is a uh, an old sketch of the uh, British vessel, the HMS, His Majesty's Service, that's what that stands for, the Birkenhead. The Birkenhead was a troop carrier, and it was sailing around uh, in 1852 and transporting troops from Algoa Bay uh, around the Horn and in South Africa. And it was on its way to a, through an area called Danger Point, which was 140 kilometers from Cape Town. So <clears throat> in that uh, time period, they struck a reef and it caused the boat, they were all wooden back then, and it caused it to leak, and uh, the the ship was going down. And the famous story is that uh, they only had so many lifeboats, and they put the women and children on the lifeboats, and they set them adrift, and they were all saved, and they were all uh, taken by another ship that came by. But all the men, all the soldiers stood at attention on the deck, and the cry went out, women and children first. And that was where that saying originated, and these men did not jump in the boats at all. Uh, they, they let the women and all the children get off the ship safely. And all the soldiers stood at attention and they saw sharks circling in the water as the ship was going down. And these men held their place. They were, they were known to be real men. God, give us those kinds of men today. 
And they were not looking out for themselves. They were looking out for their wives and children. And uh, they went down with the ship. And that's where that saying came from, uh, women and children first. And I, I thought, wow, what a what a moving story uh, from the Birkenhead. Now, <clears throat> let me, let me uh, highlight this. And I want you to hang on here now just as we uh, wade into this a little deeper here. You're going to love me or hate me at the end of this. Questions and answers on Genesis. Brother Branham said God took a, uh, from Adam's side a piece of him, a rib, and made a woman. But he said, where did he get, now, where did he get that spirit, the woman spirit? He said, in Genesis 1.26, he said, let's make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and created he them male and female. He made the burly spirit for the man, and he left that there. And he made the tender little delicate feminine spirit for the woman. There are two distinct kinds of spirits. And he left that burly spirit in the man and put the feminine spirit in the woman. When you see a woman acting like a man, she's got out of her place in the beginning. And I think it's a shame that women has lost their dainty feminine place. It's a disgrace. That little lady like don't see her much anymore. She's a hard person to find. May God help us to find real young ladies. So this gives rise to this whole phenomenon now called the soft boy. Now, I don't know whether you, uh, you older people, uh, if you're older than 25, that's old today. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, a parent, you may not have heard of this phrase or how strong a phrase this actually is. This is a, this is a uh, cultural definition. It is a, um, an urban phrase. And it describes a kind of a young man who is, by definition here, a less masculine boy who is described as cute based on their softer, gentle characteristics. A soft boy. I was in the church recently, and I was grieved when I saw a, a young man who sat down on the pew. Now, you often see this with young ladies. They'll sit down, they'll pull their skirt and straighten it, you know, and, and make sure it covers their knees and so forth and, and, uh, and uh, you know, arrange things. You, you, I mean, that's a, a kind of a common thing. I was watching a young boy who had tight pants on like this. This is a young man. And he happened to be sitting on the front row. And I saw him reach down and pull, you know, his, his pants down because they had ridden up so much. He was standing up and he had ridden up and he was kind of adjusting his pants just like a girl would adjust her skirt. And I thought, what, there's something wrong here. And <clears throat> wearing, he, uh, I, I got need to be careful here. You're going to have to help me out, folks. A soft boy is actually a phenomenon. It, it is a spirit that has manifested itself in a lot of different ways. And we find lots and lots of soft boys, which are less masculine. And I'm going to say this to you. You may not agree, but I'm going to say this to you that this is not right. This is a perversion. And um, I want you to just hang with me here a little bit because I'm, I'm speaking primarily to, to families and to young girls teenage girls here, girls at the marrying age, but you guys need to listen up as well because there's things you can learn here. I do not want, I never wanted to have a, a, a boy who was raised as what I would consider to be a soft boy. Now, all of my boys work on a keyboard. They were, they're all uh, computer people. They're all, you know, working in, in an office setting of some sort. Uh, you know, uh, Peter's in the plant, but he, you know, he's, he's certainly got his time in front of a computer as well. Uh, you know, and, and everyone networks and everyone Zooms and all of that and, and so forth. But uh, I appreciate the, the masculinity that is displayed by my boys. That's just me personally. I'm thankful for that. 
<clears throat> let's let's look at what culture looks like today. This term soft boy is used to describe soft boys with features and behaviors that most would qualify as almost feminine. They may not be gay. They're almost feminine though. They are nice, easily likable, but have a very precise aesthetic that makes them recognizable from afar. You can spot them a mile away. From wearing pastel tracksuits and having soft natural hair, soft boys are well, soft inside out. They're soft inside and out. Gender lines are blurring, bending, wavering in the home, in the office, and in the realm of fashion. Soft boys are just soft inside and out. Now I'll tell you what, girls, if I was going to marry a guy, I'd want to be marrying a guy who was much more concerned about being a real man of God on the inside and letting that express itself on the outside than worrying about his designer glasses and the poof in his hair. Can I go a little further? Brother Branham says, now you'll be, you'll be shocked at how much Brother Branham comments on this in its infancy, in its, in its early form. You gotta watch this. I mean, I'm only giving you a fraction of what he said. Women said to me, Brother Branham, I don't wear shorts. And I said, well, that's very good. She said, but I do wear slacks. And I said, well, that's worse. The Bible said it's an abomination for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a man. We've covered that. He said, God don't change. He made a man to look like a man and a woman to look like a woman. But today, now notice the date, 1960. Today, men are so sissified, they don't know how to dress. And women, God's daughters, smoking cigarettes, the greatest sabotage the world ever had. Folks, Houston, we have a problem. And as parents, you, you, I mean, you got to embrace this. You got to, you got to stand there and look at this and say, "Lord Jesus, help us right where we are," because we want to go contrary to the society and the attitude in society, which Brother Branham said in 1964 was clearly changing. Let's go a little further. Brother Branham said, and he, capital he, H, he wants him to look like a man. God wants a man to look like a man. Yes, sir. They dress so feminish till hardly they know what sex they belong to. Hey, hold on. This is 1960. It's pitiful. These beatniks and everything we have today. He's referring to the Beatles. No wonder we're living at the end time. There is nothing left in this world but God to pour out his wrath upon it and burn it up. You're getting a sense of how God feels about this when Brother Random says statements like that. And he says they hardly know what sex they belong to. Now, let me tell you, folks, I, I just and I just got to say this about my upbringing. I'm thankful for for, uh, you know, the upbringing that I had, even though we were not Christians. I mean, uh, you know, we had a, we had a lot of um, a good, healthy activity, at least in our early years. And we were not involved in a lot of the cultural trends today. I never got up in the morning and started to wonder about what gender I was. That was never on my to do list in the run of a day. Now, I understand there are there are needs that people have, and I understand that, and I don't want to be insensitive to that whole thing, but I'm talking about, in general, the cultural perspective here, and here's Brother Branham saying the same thing, but he's saying it in 1960. He's saying it almost 60 years ago, and he says, God wants a man to look a certain way, but he said, it, men have become so feminish, and that's 
that's part of the problem why women are the way they are is because men are not where they should be. And I, again, let me reiterate the whole point. The whole point is if you're going to have peace with God and shalom in the home, I, I believe you want God to, to honor your teaching to your children that they're growing up and moving in the right direction and they're getting the right instruction from a real father and a real mother because that's what they need. So here's Brother Branham again, man running from the presence of the Lord. How wishy-washy. He said that what's too many Christians today, soft soaped everything until they think all they do is join a church, go in somewhere, put their name in a book and call it Christianity. So they can sing Christian songs like some of these, uh, you know, modern Christian songs, sing, singers and so forth. Christianity is an everyday rugged life living for God in this present world. Let me say it again. Christianity is an everyday rugged life living for God in this present world. Say it with me. Christianity is an everyday rugged life living for God in this present world. It's a constant burning of the fire and the love of God in the heart that sets you afire and puts you out yonder with the people making converts to Christ. Responsibilities, accepting your responsibilities. That's exactly what uh, uh, Christianity is. It's an everyday rugged life, facing things, facing, uh, you know, the, the fact that I'm not going to do everything everybody else is doing, facing the fact that mm -hmm. I got a dress standard and I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, this is, this is the way Christian girls dress. And you know what, by God's grace, we're going to do it. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy for a girl, uh, to dress in attire. That's not, uh, you know, real modern, real tight, real uh, revealing, real sensual. It's it's not always easy for a girl to stand out in her dress. It's not easy for a girl to stand out with her long uncut hair. And that gets lots of comments and it gets lots of response when a girl goes out like that. Hey, I know that's not easy. Uh, but I will tell you something. We, we've kind of, in a sense, we've gone to sleep on this issue that while, uh, you know, a lot of preachers spent their time years ago talking about how women needed to dress, and here are the boys now, like a bunch of fruitcakes out there, floating around with tight pants on, and, uh, you know, with hands with no calluses on them, because they've never picked up a shovel, they've never worked, they've never, uh, you know, uh, done done uh, some of the, the things that help a man become a man. Everybody doesn't have to have a shovel. Everybody doesn't have to dig a ditch or build a house to be a man. Activity doesn't make you a man. And your weight and size don't make you a man. Your ability to win a fight doesn't make you a man. It's the real character of Christ on the inside that you want to let the Holy Spirit develop makes you a man or makes you a woman, rather than letting society impose upon you what young men should look like. You want to let manhood develop. You want to let real character develop from the inside out, not from the outside in. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to get your phone and text and say amen. Let me tell you something. It is not, Brother Branham said, how big and burly a man is. He said, mm -hmm. I've seen 200-pound men that were, you know, wimps or, Christ, you know, uh, wishy-washy and so forth. He said, I've seen that. And I've seen some of the young men, like men like David, men like Shamgar, uh, you know, who, who stood their ground. They, they, were, they were expressing themselves from the inside out where the, the life of God actually was. That's what makes a real man. Christianity is an everyday rugged life living for God in this present world. Guess what? God put you in this present world for a reason. And if you've got young men in your household, you need to raise them to learn to live a rugged life living for God. If you've got a young girl in your house, you need to encourage her to look for a man who lives for God every day. 
That's exactly what you need to be doing. And you young girls that are out there, we need to get our eyes off uh, how well everybody can text and how good our social media presence is and uh, get down to business and looking for the right thing. Because you can get pulled into wanting to be married for the wrong reason. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit doesn't want that. All right, <clears throat> let's look. Serpent seed. Brother Brandon says, now this man, he was created in the Garden of Eden. God separated his spirit, took a piece of the man. His side made a woman out of it. Brother Branham says this over and over and over again. Now watch. And he took the feminish, dainty spirit of the man, and he made a woman out of it, and he made the man masculine and burly, period. Ready? And when you see a man that's little, manicuring his fingernails, and you know, four on one side, five on the other side. In other words, you got one sticking out and slicking his hair down and holding his mouth open in front, such stuff as that. One of those pretty boys, uh, hello, today they call them soft boys. Brother Branham calls them pretty boys. I don't think there's much difference and I don't think you'd need to argue with me about that. Just remember, sis, here's what his advice is to a young girl. Remember, sis, there's something wrong with that bird. There's something wrong. You better keep your eye on him. Don't keep your camera on him. Don't keep your hands on him. Keep your eye on him and just watch. See see where this guy's going. And if he's one of those pretty boys, uh, you ought to you really reconsider this. Let me say this to all the young men that are listening. You ought to take a look in the mirror. And if you, if, if you, you ought to take a look in the mirror. And I will tell you something that, that when you look at these pictures and you start to see uh, you start to see some of the attributes. Uh, I'm just going back here. You start to see some of the uh, the characteristics of these uh, soft boys. Hair is a big issue, and it's almost like it's almost like this is one of the primary defining features. Now, this this fellow right here may not have hair over his collar, but you know what? It, to me, he looks like a Q-tip. He's got he's got a little bit too much on the top there. And uh, he reminds me more of a Q-tip of the phone than just about anything else. But you watch, go back and look at the pictures I've showed you here. And hair is a big issue in all of these. And Brother Branham's saying, if he's one of those pretty boys, he said, remember, sister, there's something wrong with that bird. Can I go a little further? I mean, I, I've, I've given you this scripture one time before. Psalm 147. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. God delighteth. God is not impressed by strength. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. Do you understand what he's saying? That God is not impressed because you can, you can bench press 250. God is more impressed when you fear him and you respect his word and you embrace his word and you let his word express itself through your life. And those that hope in his mercy. God is much more impressed with a man than that. In the same manner, God's not in, in, in impressed with the strength of a horse, and he takes not pleasure in the legs of a man. <laughs> what a great scripture. I love that. I think it's very timely. Here's Brother Brandon, Redemption by Power, 1954. Listen to what he says. Stand like a man or a lady, accept him and walk forward in victory. That's what God wants. I want to know what God wants. I want to live the way that God wants me to live. If I'm a young man today, that's what God wants, to accept him, and walk forward in victory. Be rugged, ready soldiers. You might not be way over 105 pounds, but you can still be ruddy, brother, and full of power if you'll just let God have his way. I've seen men that weighed 200 pounds that didn't have an ounce of men in them. Brother Branham says this over and over and over again. 
If I was a girl, I would want to find a man of purpose. Are you ready? <clears throat> I'm, hopefully I don't run out of time here. One, we want to look at a man of purpose here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth in the, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in sports? No. His delight is in having lots of girlfriends? No. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. You got to answer the question as to what you're meditating in. You got as parents, you should be teaching your children to take time to meditate every day on the things of God, even if it's just for a little session, a little time period before going to bed, when they get up in the morning, at some point maybe driving home, whatever. We should encourage meditating on the word of God or on the person of God or on the voice of God. We should meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, whithersoever he shall not prosper. All right. So <clears throat> the Pew Research uh, did a, a, a survey, and I'm just going to give you this one screen here. They were asking the question, who's the better leader? Who do people in society think is the better leader? Americans believe that women have the right stuff to be political leaders. Imagine now, Brother Branham had read that. When it comes to honesty, intelligence, and a handful of other character traits, they value in leaders the public rates women superior to men, according to a new nationwide survey. My goodness, you know why? Because a lot of women, a lot of women have uh, shown responsibility. I'm not saying it's correct. I'm not saying that it's desirable or it's a reflection of the character of Christ, but I'm saying that a lot of men have stepped back. Society has pushed a lot of men back and made uh, men soft men, made boys soft boys. Soft boys are probably going to turn out to be soft men. Uh, that's kind of follows nature. So therefore, therefore, you, you want to, as a young man, you want to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He's talking about ministry here, but in general, this is a, a good attitude or a good approach for any young man to take. The word approved there is an important word. It means the state of him who is as he ought to be, a condition acceptable to God. The state of him who is as he ought to be. It means integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteousness, correctness, rightness, correctness, of thinking, feeling, and acting. Huh, what a definition. You could take a whole series on that one particular screen right there. So you study, you figure out, you, you look very carefully at how to present yourself a, a workman that is approved of, of God. That's what you should do as a young man. And to be approved means that you are in the state as you ought to be, a condition that's acceptable to God. Am I living in a condition that's acceptable to God? Are my activities acceptable to God? Is my music selection acceptable to God? Is my haircut acceptable to God? Is my clothing acceptable to God? Every one of us can ask that question, but I think young men should certainly ask it. If I were a girl, sorry for the repeats here on the screen. Let me skip for a moment here. I got to bring this to you. I showed this years ago at a men's meeting, and I just wanted to to, to show this to you. This was written by William Bennett. William Bennett was a former minister of education. Uh, I think in the Reagan government, he wrote the book, uh, the book of virtues, uh, which I still read to my grandchildren. I read to my boys and I read to my grandchildren. I have a copy of it out by my chair. 
And uh, he wrote this article for, uh, uh, I think it was for CNN, and I, I want to excerpt a little bit from it. In 1950, 5% of men at, at prime working age were unemployed in 1950. In 2010, 20% were not working, the highest on record. If you don't believe the, the numbers, listen, girls, listen here. If you don't believe the numbers, just ask young women about men today. You'll find them talking about prolonged adolescence and men who refuse to grow up. I've heard too many young women asking, where are the decent single men? There is a maturity deficit among men out there, and men are falling behind. Hello, this is written in 2011. This is written by somebody who's not in the message, and he's asking the question that when you hear so many young girls asking the question, where are all the good young men? There's a deficit of masculinity. Same article. This decline in founding virtues, work, marriage, and faith, the three founding virtues of work, marriage, and faith, has caught the eye of social commentators from all corners. In her article, The End of Men, Hannah Rosen unearthed the unprecedented role reversal that has taken place today. Man has been the dominant sex since, well, the dawn of mankind. But for the first time in, universe, in human history, that's changing and with shocking speed. I will tell you it's changing pretty quickly. And I believe that we have to, as ministers, we need to cry out against that uh, change that's taken place. And we have to debate. We had, In other words, we have to confront that spirit at the point of expression, uh, sorry, at the point of origin when, it, when children are young and that spirit begins to attract them. They say that now pornography, it begins for more children at age five, as it used to years ago in, with teenagers. And now at age five, children are exposed to it. That's where teaching should have already started. <clears throat> Not at the point of expression when young men are teenagers. It's changing rapidly. I'm telling you what secular people are saying outside the faith. This is what they're noticing here, that the founding virtues of work, marriage, and faith, they're, they're sh and society is shifting those things here. Again, same article. Today, 18 to 34-year-old men spend more time playing video games a day than 12 to 17-year-old boys. While women are graduating college, finding good jobs, too many men are not going to work, not getting married, not raising families. Women are beginning to take the place of men in many ways. You see what you got? You got a flip in culture. Men acting like women. Brother Bram said men don't even know how to dress anymore. And he said, you see that wave that's coming, 1964. You see that wave coming here in the message, Shalom. Last paragraph. For boys to become men, they need to be guided through advice, habit, instruction, example, and correction. It's true in all ages. That's what mentoring is about. That's what fathering is about. That's what pastoring is about. In order for boys to become men, what we used to assume was automatic. Now they need to be guided through advice, habit, instruction, example, and correction. It is true in all ages. Let me add something in here and say this, that I can teach my boys, but I know the spirit that's moving across this world is stronger than my influence. They need to be born again. But if you take a young man who's born again and you take my influence, and the influence of a pastor and a church body, it's going to affect those young men for good and confront silly, stupid ways and encourage young men to be real 
real men of God and work for the kingdom and labor, uh, you know, for, for God in this present world. <clears throat> to not be afraid of opposition. Let me not be afraid of criticism and so forth. And by virtue of that, let me tell you, if, if we as men and fathers and pastors and ministers uh, focused on that and helped our, our parents to raise young men, our young girls would have less problem finding a good young man to marry. I, I, I feel for many of the young girls today, not all of them, but I feel for many young girls today in the message who are wanting to live right, wanting to get it right, and got a bunch of silly boys worrying about their tight pants and their hairdos. I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm being very flat here. It's probably good that I'm uh, you know uh, 120 miles from from where most of you are. But I and I don't, and I'm I'm not trying to be hard here. I'm just I'm just saying that uh, these are some issues that people. Uh, are documenting here, and I will tell you that uh, it's 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 a serious thing. Each generation of men and women have an obligation to teach the younger males and females coming behind them. Wordsworth said, William Wordsworth, the author, what we have loved, others will love. The founding fathers believed in industriousness, marriage, and religion, work, faith, and spirituality a very important basis for male success and achievement. You may need to say to a number of 20-something-year-old men, get off the video games five hours a day, get yourself together, get a challenging job, and get married. It's time for men to man up. Amen. Now, <clears throat> you want to find a man who prays because there are problems that plague youth. I'll summarize them real quick here. Number one, many young people are biblically illiterate. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't know what the standards are. They don't know what God loves and God hates. They don't know the promises. They don't know what sin is described like. They don't understand the hope of the word of God. They don't understand God's principles and God's way of thinking. And they don't see the patterns in scripture. You will only discover patterns in scripture by listening to your minister minister, by listening to Brother Brandon preach, by reading the Bible yourself and seeing God's pattern. How did God react to it in the beginning? How did things change over uh, time through Calvary, out mm -hmm. in the New, New Testament and so forth? Uh, this, this is uh, a, a real issue that young people are not reading uh, their Bible enough. Secondly, if you don't read your Bible enough, you're never going to have a concept of an absolute. So you're governed by feelings, you're governed by circumstances, you're governed by social media. My goodness, when your standards are defined and governed by social media, we're in a heap of trouble. There's not no amount of streaming going to help you. We need to come back to an absolute. An absolute is the word of God. Another problem that young people are not aware of is that choices have consequences. There's a lot of people who have gone and applied for jobs and wish they had not put all this stuff on uh, the public media. There are consequences for sexual activity prior to marriage. <clears throat> there are consequences for sexual intimacy prior to making a covenant with somebody. Remember, that's the cardinal rule. There is to be no intimacy without a covenant. A covenant precedes intimacy. That's not what the world teaches. That's not at all what the world teaches. They teach exactly the opposite. Choices have consequences. If, you're, if you don't practice good stewardship when you're young, you're not going to have good stewardship when you're older. 
until you're forced to, and it becomes a much bigger problem. If we don't read the Bible and we don't have a concept of an absolute and we don't realize that I reap what I sow, you're going to lack vision. We need to seek God's will for your future. I mentioned this on Sunday, and I think it's uh, really important for, uh, for us to develop that attitude. But this is what the Bible teaches us. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. There is a role, a position for man. And the head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. This isn't rocket science. This is basic Bible here. And these are the things that are listed very clearly uh, in Scripture. Now, oh, I, if, <laughs> if I only had some more time here. I, I'm only at number 22 in this series here. Um, let's, let's, just, let's just find a place to wrap it up here. Brother Branham says in teaching on Moses, he says, I predicted that women would keep demoralizing and the nation would keep falling till a woman became an idol. And after a while, that America would be ruled by a woman. Mark it and see if it's not right. A woman will take the place of a president or something, some high power in America. Now, I'm not hard on them. I'm not reading the entire quote. You can read it all for yourself here. But he says, I'm not being hard on the women here, but I just tell you what's the truth and what the Bible says. Used to be the man was the head of the house, but that was in the Bible days. He isn't no more. He's the puppet or the babysitter. No, they want to take care of a dog, practice birth control, pack a little dog around in their arms all the time so you can run around all night. So a lifestyle, a lifestyle, which is a product of the culture, is overriding the godly position that men and women should be in. You understand what he's what he the principle he's given us here is that the the influence of the culture is a little stronger than what you think and it's actually influencing lifestyle because people don't have what they thought they had to resist the culture if you're going to push back on the culture you better have some muscles you better have some ruggedness about you because the culture pushes back pretty hard and <clears throat> that's the situation uh, that we face. That's the situation that we find ourselves uh, in at the moment here. So, uh, listen, uh, all of these points here, the, the things that I mentioned are all in, embedded in this, and you're welcome to go through the PowerPoint there. <clears throat> Let's come back to our text here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. You got to look in the mirror of God's word, number one, and say, could Brother Barry pick me out of our congregation and send me over to Africa and say, here's an example of HBT. HBT is known to believe the message, all right? We're a church that identifies with the message and, and a prophet and the word of God. So uh, can I take, can, can Brother Barry pick me as a girl or a boy and plunk me in the middle of anywhere in the world and say, here's an example of HBT. Here's an example of a Christian believing the message in the last day. Here's a young person who's in the faith. That's the question you got to ask yourself. you got to look in the mirror of God's word and say, could Brother Barry do that? The second question is, can I look in the mirror, natural, and say, there's nothing about me that I need to adjust? I might be ugly as a mud fence and took a back set, but you know what? Uh, I, think, I think the standards of, of God's word are not that complicated. Brother Branham simply stated, he says, I need to stay out of step with the world to stay in step with God. 
So in other words, my priority is not my image. My priority is not my physical image. My priority is what makes me acceptable in the eyes of God. That's the priority. And so therefore, if that's the case, uh, <clears throat> you need to be able to answer that question. Can, can I look in the mirror physically in the mirror and say, okay, do I reflect what the word says for this day? Here's Brother Bram's prayer. 1947. Friends, serve God with reverence in your heart. Pure, holy love for him. Walk every day in that mood of love all the time. Do good to others. Do good charitable deeds. Love God. Worship him. That's the way you're supposed to get to heaven. That's not what he says. Because we're not going to get to heaven by loving everybody and doing good charitable deeds. You understand? We're going to get to heaven because we're born again. But how we're to live every day on this earth and in this present age is to do what he tells us here. You keep an attitude or a mood of love. Do good to others. Do good charitable deeds. Love God. Worship him. That's the way you're supposed to live. Treat your neighbor as yourself. This is not, this is not rocket science. This is not uh, difficult. These are, uh, these are things that, uh, you know, in a sense are, are basic things to us. <clears throat> but I would just say this. That in, you know, for parents who are raising their children today, this does not begin when kids are teenagers, getting married, 25 years old, moving out. This is, this is not that. This is the formation that begins early. I trust in some way that you'll take at least even some of these things and begin to apply them in your own life. But if you're a young person, you feel like you're independent and, you know, you can't be told. Let God tell you out of these statements here. Let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart and say, you can't deal with a part of this and not everything. Remember that quote in the very beginning there? When God dealt with sin, he dealt with sickness, he dealt with everything else that was in the package there, everything else Satan done, God undid that by Calvary's cross. He didn't just take care of sin and leave everything else amiss. He cleared it all up. If you're born again, everything you have need of is in that package. And you know what? We should live like it. We should act like it. Conduct ourselves like real Christians in every facet of our life. Is it easy? No. It's getting harder and harder all the time. There's more of a pushback of the world all the time. But I will tell you something. Rugged Christians, they live in this present world like God wants them to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to have shalom in our home. We want to have shalom in our hearts. We want to demonstrate Christ to the world. We realize, Lord, the world is cascading quickly, churning, moving into the tribulation period faster than we'd even dare to think. Lord, may our influence be great as Christians on this world. May our light shine bright. May, Lord, we stand strong in the world that we're living in and Father, may you help us. Give us courage to live as real young men and women of God. May, Lord, we take the word of life and, Lord, apply it in our lives. May as parents, Lord, we teach these things and model them before our children, Lord. Forgive us of our mistakes and the ways we have failed you. And, Lord, I pray now that you would uh, just minister to each and every young lady, Lord, that's listening, every young sister. Lord, our young men, make them strong, I pray. And, Lord, deal with all of their hearts. And Father, be our guide, I pray, as parents and leaders that we 
my endeavor, Lord, to stay so close to the cross that somebody looking at us would never fail but to see the cross. Bless our weak, Lord, and heal the sick. Minister to those families, especially, Lord, that need your touch. We think of Sister Laura <clears throat> up in Edmonton, Lord. We think of Sister Laura Harwell's uncle and his need, Lord. Sister Mary's family. Father, we pray for them. We ask, oh God, that you'd be with the Spencers this week, Lord, and in the season of their loss, double loss. Lord, may you comfort them as only the Holy Spirit can. Lord, we just pray that you would watch over our assembly and Lord guide us in your perfect will in Jesus name we pray amen and all God's people said amen God bless you tonight thank you for being with us and may the Lord richly bless you amen I enjoyed that this evening brother Barry thank you well because he lives I can
that have been mentioned, Father, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you will go to all those needs, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'll be with us the remainder of this week, Father. And Lord, whether we, uh, whether, Father, we have to meet remotely, Father, or we get to meet in person again, Father, we just look forward to hearing from you again, Lord, and being able to hear from your word. We ask us all in your name, name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll sing this one more time as we sign off. Thank you and good night. Will mercy re-roll my life? His mercy re-roll my life. I should have fallen my soul cast down.